Hey everyone, grace and peace to you all from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Today is Thursday, April 30th, and today we have a treat. My One of my closest friends, uh, dearest friends, uh, we have a weekly call together, we have vacation with our families together, we decided we're going to go the distance together as friends in ministry um, in life. Uh, John Mark Comer from Portland, Oregon, I asked him to to guest host the podcast today, give a meditation on hope. He gladly said yes. And so here he is, John Mark Homer, one of my favorite uh, people, teachers, people, all the things uh, in the world. Uh, here he is, John Mark Homer, on his meditation on hope. Enjoy. Hey, reality, John Mark Comer here up in Portland, Oregon. So much love to all of you from Bridgetown Church that I'm a part of, to all of you at Reality SF and all of your leaders. I love that our churches have a kind of sibling relationship and mutual love and affection. I thank God for you. Before COVID-19 hit the West Coast, Dave and I were chatting about me coming down to guest speak in May, and I'm very sad to not come on a plane to visit you anytime soon, but happy to join you for your daily podcast. I'm told by Dave that you're in a week-long conversation on the theme of hope. So to start off our short meditation, let me read over you Paul's blessing to the church in Rome from Romans 14, or I'm sorry, Romans 15, verse 13. He writes this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The word used by Paul here for hope is elpis in Greek, and the basic meaning is just a sense of expectation. Psychologists define fear as the anticipation of future suffering. Hope is the opposite of fear. It is the expectation of future good. It's that buoyant feeling of uplift you get when something good is on the horizon for the day or the week or the year ahead. But that's just a definition of hope in general, not the hope of a follower of Jesus that is in Paul's mind. All humans, religious or not, are painfully hope-based creatures. Unlike the animals, survival is not enough for us. We need hope that things will get better. The tragedy of suicide is what happens when people lose hope. That's because hope must have an object. We must have something or somebody to put our hope in, be that God or our career or our startup making it or a kid getting into the right college or school or meeting a spouse by whatever age or a quick end to the virus and return to normalcy by summer. And the things we put our hope in often let us down. Hence the cliche, don't get your hopes up, that kind of cynical view of the world. But as followers of Jesus, the object of our hope is God himself. In biblical theology, here's the best working definition I know of hope. Hope is the absolute expectation of coming good based on the person and promises of God. Hope is not positivity or denial or wishful thinking. It's honest about the grief of something like COVID-19 or unemployment or a lost dream or not being able to gather as a church for months at a time. And it knows very well how to grieve, but it's confident that God is at work through no matter what comes to bring forward good from the future to the present. 
In the language of church history, hope is one of the three theological virtues, along with faith and love. They are called the theological virtues, one, because they are theological, they have to do with God, don't make sense without God, and two, because they are virtues, not just feelings that come over us, but virtues that we nurture and feed and grow and exercise as part of our apprenticeship to Jesus. We become, over time, people who live with a deep confidence in coming good based Based on, our, based on our trust in the person and promises of Jesus. But it is very important that we clarify what our hope is in. It's not enough to just say, well, it's in God, because it's really easy to import magical thinking into that blank space in our mind. The best way to sharpen our vision of hope is with Scripture. And when you synthesize what the New Testament writers have to say about hope, you realize very fast that our hope is not that nothing bad will happen to us or just that things will get better year over year. In fact, Jesus made the exact opposite promise, quote, in this world you will have trouble, that's John 16. Jesus made it clear that we should expect suffering as followers of Jesus. We should expect, in his own language, wars and rumors of wars and things like a global pandemic or an economic downturn. Trouble is the rule in a world where the Satan is still on the loose and sin is still in our body. A trouble-free life is the exception to the rule. So if our hope isn't that nothing bad will happen to us, well, what is it then, basically? Well, it's threefold. First and foremost, it is in the return of Jesus to make all things new. That one day, as the Jesus Storybook Bible says that I read to my kids for years as they were falling asleep when they were little, that one day he will make all the sad things come untrue. Two, our hope is in Jesus' presence with us now in our troubles. Yes, he said, in this world you will have trouble, but the next line was, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And his last words right before his ascension to heaven were, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And finally, our hope is that God will utilize our troubles, be they major or minor, to form us into people of Jesus' presence in the world. We all hate to admit it, or at least I do, but we grow and develop the virtue, the muscle of virtue, by a kind of resistance training. I've grown more in the last month or two than I have in years through something that I never would have chosen. But our pain and our suffering now is a kind of training for our joy and our freedom later. That, my friends, is the hope of a follower of Jesus. And we must cultivate the theological virtue of hope because we can't follow Jesus without it. Eugene Peterson, in a lecture on hope, said that we live between the comings of Jesus, his first and his second, and hope is what connects the, the present to the past and to the future. He said this, quote, hope is a response to the future which has its foundations in the promises of God. Hope is not about the future. Hope is about the present. It obviously has to do with the future, but it's a virtue which is cultivated in the present. It fills the present with energy. It connects the two comings of Jesus so that we are now participant in them. We're not just remembering the one and believing in the other. We are participating in the continuity of the comings. Hope is more than a little shot of fuel in our emotional gas tank. It is the road that we travel. But for many of us, you know, the autobiography that we're living in is not based on the plot line of hope. Instead of hoping in God's future, we make plans for our own future. 
In our secular society, planning has taken over the role of hoping, or as Peterson put it in that same lecture, eschatology has been replaced by strategy. Now, I'm not down on planning or strategy. Both of them have a place. But there is a world of difference between planning and hoping. Planning is an attempt to control our future based on prediction. Hoping is the act of surrender to God's future based on a deep confidence in his love and his wisdom and his involvement in our life and our church and our world. But it's very hard to hope in a culture of planning. As a result, many of us live with a chronic sense of disappointment whenever our plans do not work out. And that's what a lot of us are feeling right now. But disappointment is a friend, not an enemy. Disappointment is an emotional signal from our body that our hope was misplaced, that our hope was directed onto the wrong object. And there are two ways to deal with disappointment. Option A is to take the next step into disillusionment, where we give in to our feelings that say God doesn't love us or care about our situation because of our circumstances. But disillusionment, again, is a gift because it's a sign that we were living in illusionment, in an illusion, not in reality. Maybe that illusion was, you know, bad things don't happen to good people, or if I follow Jesus, he will give me a comfortable Western life, or if I tithe or give a certain percentage of my business to the church, then he will make my business make it through, or whatever it is. It's all not bad things, but that's magical thinking, not reality. When we feel that nagging sense of disillusionment creep in, rather than say, why did God and his promises fail me? As followers of Jesus, we have an invitation to say, what was the illusion that I was living in? And how do I move from the illusion into the reality of the kingdom? You see, option B, or the other way to deal with disappointment, is to grieve and to process our emotions. Yes, all of that but then to put our hope back onto the right object, back onto God, on his return one day to make all of the sad things come untrue, on the fact that his presence is with us now, filling our spirit with the joy and love and peace of the Trinitarian community of Father and Son and Spirit that open wide to us to enter into their interior life and of the fact that God is at work right now as we speak to utilize all of the pain and suffering of COVID-19, of shelter in place, of not gathering as a church, of the economic tremor in our world, to utilize all of that to bring forward good in our formation and to forge us in the crucible of suffering into people of Jesus' presence of hope in the world. So reality, church that I love from a distance and miss and hope to visit again someday in the not-too-distant future, let me pray over you again. Just invite you to take a deep breath wherever you're at. If you're multitasking, that's just fine, but invite you to just take a pause, sit down, look out your window, take stock of the clothes on your back, the food in your stomach, the things around you that We have so much to thank God for right now. Just come to quiet in your spirit before him. Notice where there is any disappointment in your heart right now. Disappointment over plans that have gone belly up. Disappointment over life or church or work or travel or your social reality or your health. 
the loss of a loved one. Just set that disappointment before God and recalibrate and realign your hope onto Jesus himself, his presence, and his, and his promises. And let me pray over you one more time the blessing from Romans. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you.